Hi, Cole here, creator and narrator of The Town Whispers. It's been a long summer, but the leaves once again fall, and with autumn comes longer nights that beg for darker tales. And to fill those long, cold evenings, I've launched a brand new podcast called Tiny Terrors. Tiny Terrors is a nostalgic horror anthology series that is as fun as it is dark. Join three friends as they delve into a forgotten corner of storytelling history and bring to light the darker depths yet still hidden in those often untraveled corners. Subscribe, listen, and review Tiny Terrors wherever you listen to podcasts. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The Town Whispers is a narrative horror podcast that will tell the many stories hidden behind the rain and the fog and the trees of the Pacific Northwest, but those nightly terrors must be told, so listener discretion is advised. moon hung in the sky waxing growing in strength so white and bright it shone a spotlight on the fort that seemed to leech what little color there was the cool blue ambiance highlighted the trailing puffs of air that tom exhaled the fort was cold but not the frigid desolate bone-breaking cold that the dead of winter so often commanded It was mild, but Tom's skin was still pinched and squeezed into tiny goosebumps that ran along his arms and back under his shirt and under the blanket he had wrapped around his shoulders. Midwinter in the fort, the darkest nights before spring, when a deep freeze could catch midday, when the winds could pick you up and spin you out over the river on a childish whim. All in all, that year had held a mild winter. But still, the common sounds that signaled the end of winter had not arrived to live in the hours between dusk and dawn. Not yet. The white noise of crickets. The bassy clucking of frogs. 
There was only the occasional coyote yip and the cascading replies through the empty flat air with hungry desperation in their calls. Come to the church, Reverend Albert had said to him. It wasn't until Tom was out walking, to God knows where, for God knows what reason that he recalled the memory of those words. It wasn't that they hadn't spoken so long ago that the memory was covered by the dust and dirt of time. To Tom, it just hadn't seemed important when the words were spoken to him. But now Tom could remember and recall the tone, the seething fury beneath the words, not at him, but for him. The righteous Reverend Albert was, for lack of a better word, ugly. His face was unsettling. No one had ever spoken a bad word about the man in any seriousness, though. Of course, there were rumors, but there's rumors about everyone in the fort. Most of those rumors were also vague and obtuse. He'd been born in the fort, everyone knew that, but nothing was known of his childhood. Then it was as if he'd been forgotten until he arrived at the church, bright-eyed, sweeping between the pews. It was gossip for the sake of gossip based on the absence of anything really. That's what it was. The need of curious minds to fill the void in time that would better define the man. What Tom did know was, as I said before, that Reverend Albert was ugly. He had a hair lip. Well, it wasn't a hair lip, but it looked as if something had torn a strip from his face and it had never healed the way it should have never being tended to or stitched. It pushed upon his face, a toothy sneer even in the sternest of moments, and in that moment, Reverend Albert had implored for him to visit the church. Even then, it looked as if there was some sick punchline that Tom wasn't aware of. Or maybe that's just how it seemed to him, as he thought back on it then, as he walked through the empty dark streets of the fort as his path was illuminated by the impossibly bright moon hanging in the star-pierced sky, casting a very long shadow behind Tom. James shifted in the narrow church pew that he'd made his bed that night. His eyes were opened wide in frustration, staring at the back of the wooden bench in the row in front of the one he lay in. Always with the damn rats. Normally, it didn't bother James to the degree it was that night but a strange frustration was building inside of him. The sound of the rodent's filthy nails on the wooden floor echoed through the congregation area, floors which he'd swept and washed by hand no less, and there was a rodent running about tracking in dirt and leaving droppings behind for churchgoers to find at awkward moments. No, 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 that wasn't going to happen. James jumped out of his makeshift bed with loose shoulders swaying as he rose. 
It was hard enough to fall asleep in a church as it was. The sparsely decorated rooms echoed every breath, every cough, every creaking noise. Even the pillows seemed to have a deafening sound to them beneath the turned head. And then that night, there was a rat. A rat clearly not wise to a sensible bedtime. In the corner of the room stood a stiff corn broom, a remnant from the day's chores. James grabbed the handle with white knuckles and turned to the room, staring into its empty guts as if not only the rat, but the entire building conspired against him. Of course, the walls, the floor, the ceiling of the church mocked him, made him a slave to their care and maintenance. Why else? Let in the damn rats. Big rats, small rats, loud rats, quiet rats, always the damn rats. Not tonight, said James through gritted teeth, addressing his home and sanctuary. My lucky coin, where are you, you filthy little beast? His feet moved silently about the floor, only that one bare toe sticking from the hole at the end of his right sock making any noise. The slightest click of clammy skin peeling from the floorboards with a tiny, painless rip. The rest of James moved as one lithe, ruthless, rat-hunting wraith through the night. His back was hunched, his knees were bent, and the corn broom held tightly and both hands raised high, ready to be brought down to crunch the bones and snap the neck of the culprit in the blink of an eye. Row by row he moved, the muscles of his thighs tense and vibrating. His ears were pinned and alert. He breathed through his mouth, Slowly. James leapt, following the noise charging down the aisle and cutting hard angle into the pews. His bare toe squeaked against the floorboard and caught an errant splinter. The pain only fueled him, making him feel more than human, completely dialed into each sense as he leapt into the aircorn broom above his head and brought it down on the rat he could see moving blurred in the dark. Damn rats. James smiled as he puffed from the exertion. His knees wobbled from the adrenaline. His arms were tense and aching from the sudden explosion of power as he had brought the broom down on his foe. He lifted the broom to examine the evidence of his work. Nothing. The rat had gotten away again. James felt his shoulders sink involuntarily. But the hunt wasn't over yet. Tom peered over his shoulder, a hunter bested and humiliated. On the edge of a pew behind him, on its hind legs sat a plump rat, mocking him, laughing at him. 
staring at him. The broom in his hands felt hot as his skin pulled into a grip once more. His shoulder dropped. His foot turned. The muscles of his belly tensed and coiled, ready to spin around. Each tree, each bush, made a noise that tore through the purity of the evening. Tom's head began to turn more neurotically to each noise as those sounds increased in frequency and paranoia began building in the root of his gut. Just enough where he knew if needed, he could pull at a thread and he would be sent running and panicking. To not pull at that string, to stay calm, to stay sane, was an exercise in control and constraint, both of which he'd had little of since. Well, since Ben. Tom wasn't entirely sure where he was going. He simply walked, and the repetition of that act soothed him and helped his thoughts form so that he could hear the words of thoughts coalesce in his mind in coherent strings of logic for what felt like the first time in a very long time. He paused for a moment on a dry patch of earth, a small mound in an otherwise swampy stretch of lawn. The tufts of grass had the slightest bit of frost, making its edges brittle, but beautiful. The moon made the frost glimmer in the dark. It was a moment of deep appreciation for Tom, but as if the fort conspired to steal that single quiet, sane, and wonderful second from a short and tragic life, coyotes cackled in the not-so-far distance, startling Tom and playing with that string. His eyes vibrated. Unable to focus and his heart pounded in his throat as he spun around to confront the scavengers nearby, but the road was empty, only occupied by his own long, grotesquely stretched shadow. The angle of the moon as it sat far away in the sky had made his arms into long, thin, gangly bones, his legs and knees into knobbly saplings, even his fingers impossibly thin and unsettlingly long. That was his imprint on the world. He was his shadow, and his shadow was him, and he could feel the intimacy in that connection, despite the intervention of the moonlight conspiring to turn him into something monstrous. That was something he'd never thought about. That proved he was alive that he was breathing, that he was tethered to the earth and still walked the terrestrial plane. It would exist as long as he existed, but once he died, as all things do, his shadow would be gone. But as long as he was alive, his shadow would be there following him, silently, walking the same steps as Tom and something as simple as distant moonlight could turn that shadow beneath him behind him into something not human. His 
own mortality was something he'd never considered before. He just always thought of it as some far-off impossible event, but since seeing his brother, it had felt as if the clock was ticking down, that there was some artificial constraint on his lifespan. It felt as if he was destined to die. And as Ben had said, Tom was born to die. Vague and obvious, but foreboding nonetheless. Did it just move? No, no, that was ridiculous, Tom thought to himself. His shadow hadn't. There it went again. A twitch, a slight turn, the ear dipping into its inky self as the head turned on a completely immobile neck. But surely he was imagining things, trauma twisting his eyesight, nightmares spinning its threads around reality again like it had before, right? No, Tom wouldn't pull at that string, that string that (laughs) held his purse of terrors tightly fastened. No, he he would not pull that string because he was in control. <sighs> he breathed slowly, regaining control. His eyes closed for a moment before opening them once more. He regarded the shadow in all its parts nothing moved all was well and as it should be except that it stood at an odd angle just enough to call it twisted the black imprint of his left leg on the ground slightly longer than his right the head compensating and sitting on its neck at a peculiar angle it was the same as him but different It was a part of him, excised into the shadow. He was not his shadow, and his shadow was not him. That peculiar leg tore and bent at an angle, and Tom had heard it audibly. No warning, no foresight. He didn't need to be told twice that it was time to run. Tom propelled himself through the darkness on instinct as he dropped the blanket from his shoulders, pumping his arms. He glanced over his back. His shadow, the long shadow, was right behind him for each step Tom took that was rigid and connecting with the ground mechanical. The shadow took one lumbering, liquid leap forward, moving slowly but keeping pace with him. Tom took a right and then a left, mostly running down long stretches as his throat felt the pain of cold air sting. The wind was twisting the trees, cheering him on or cheering on his shadow. He wasn't sure which champion they'd backed. Tom dropped his head, closed his eyes, foolishly running blind. Whoa! What do you think you're doing running at me like that? It's the middle of the night, you crazy person. Tom opened his eyes at the sound of another human voice. It was a boy. Roughly his own age with lively red hair, holding what 
looked to be a dead rat in his hand as he rubbed his forehead where Tom looked behind him as he sat on the ground, awkwardly having just collided with the other boy. There was no shadow version of himself chasing him. Then he looked down. The shadow was beneath him, compressed, contained, trapped. It belonged to him once more under his control, and he felt a laugh rise in him. He was so embarrassed he'd let his paranoia win, and now, well, now he just collided with the only other person awake in the fort. Tom looked at the red-headed boy with a smile, clearly breaking all over his face. It was infectious in the ridiculousness of the situation they found themselves in. Tom running from his own shadow and this red-headed boy, dangling a dead rat, waving it in animated frustration. Oh yes, how wonderful. Friends at last. Speaking of friends, how are you, townies? How is the weather here in our tiny, terrible town treating you? The nights are cold but bearable. The days have been dreary, and the rain is never-ending, but spring is around the corner. I wanted to highlight a small personal milestone we've reached here in the fort. We now have 25 Patreon members who have signed their citizenship, their allegiance and dedication to the fort. And because of that, we've hit our second goal. Soon we'll be undertaking the writing of our first community episode, where our Patreons get to help me write a standalone episode set in the fort. They will be credited for their work and immortalized within the bounds of our town when it's completed and posted as an additional episode to our main podcast feed for all you townies to listen to and enjoy. If you're thinking about becoming a Patreon member to participate in our writing room, for Patreon members of $5 or more, you'll also gain access not only to ad-free episodes, you'll get them before they're released for everyone else on Tuesdays, as well as additional episodes. We've just released part one of From the Flames, and part two is well underway. You'll also gain access to the Patreon-only section of our Discord, as well as a direct line to ask us anything you'd like as well as more to come. Before we roll the outro and put this episode to bed, I just want to take a minute to thank our Patreons by name for their dedication. Dustin Armstrong, Cody Stanley, Flamia, Dawn, Haley Andrus, Jessica Dennis, MJ Van Steenberg, Questioner, Aaron Roberts, Christopher Dane, Valerie Galloway McCorister, Jonathan Brezinski, Malik Niles, Misty McLaughlin, Admiral, Bree Richardson, Corey DuPont, Matt Smith, Joshua Jeffries, Bill Dale Thomas, Esther Suter, Becky Berg, Darth Hell and Dyer Lilith, Kristen Judkins, and Kim Driggs. To every single one of you, thank you. My heart is full. And the shadows are calling. I got the ghost of you inside of my head. What I'm supposed to do, the blood has been shed. He got a dark past in a soul that's unfed. What I'm supposed to do.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.